The VC Show. You already know about the Low Post Podcast with Zach Lowe and the Hoop Collective with Brian Windhorse. But have you listened to the VC Show with eight-time NBA All-Star Vince Carter and co-host Roz Goldenwooday, who talk all things basketball with some of the biggest names in sports entertainment? They will give their unfiltered thoughts on the NBA, and Vince will share stories from his illustrious 22-year career. That's the VC Show. Listen while you're listening to this podcast. The Kawhi Leonard stuff is just so interesting. Well, it's not only so. The first thing I said, I read Tyron Lue's quotes the other day, basically defending Kawhi, saying, you know, it's crazy that people would think that he doesn't want to play or he should be criticized for an injury. And I thought it was kind of a straw man because I was like, wait, who is criticizing Kawhi? I think if he's, I mean, the man went to Toronto and won a championship. Like, if you don't care about basketball, you're not going to Canada to win a championship. Welcome to the CJ McCollum Show. As always, being joined by Izzy Gutierrez across from the screen. Izzy has a lot to celebrate right now as a person who lives in Miami, as well as the rest of the Miami fans. Uh, as always, we're currently recording this on a Wednesday. This will be released on a Thursday. So some of the topics we're going to discuss may not be as relevant with some series that could potentially be over uh, by Thursday. Izzy? Jimmy, don't know his middle name, McCollum Buckets, <laughs> <laughs> Butler, put on one of the best performances I think I've seen. And that's saying a lot because we've seen some great basketball, especially from players wearing Miami Heat jerseys. And for him to have most of the Miami Heat records in terms of points in a game, in terms of performances, um, kind of shows you just how good he is when it really matters. You're going to have to help me with a lot of this because I can't explain any of the stuff that he does most of the time. So, like, uh, Monday was – was that Monday? Monday was the day of the game. I had just gotten back from Atlanta, very little sleep on that flight, had a lot of work that day, a um, little cranky, a little tired, didn't even go. Didn't go to the game even though it was in Miami. I'm watching it in my in my living room. And, you know, they're down 11, 13 after Jimmy – when you come out and score 22 in the first, you're basically saying, hey, guys, follow me. Anything would help, but I got you. And they didn't really give him much, right? They didn't give him much. And so he had to keep doing more. And he kept, you know, he was on the floor for that extra minute because he was obviously exhausted. And watching him all year long, CJ, like, and every year that he's been here in the regular season, this dude passes up like layups when he's near the rim because he doesn't think he has them. He passes up shots where you're just like, why don't you just pull up and take that all in the regular season? Never does that in the playoffs anymore. And then when he takes them, he makes them. It's like, how do you go from not thinking that shot is there to every time you have one, you're taking it and making it even the shots that you weren't taking all season long, like the deep twos and those, you know, the, the step backs, which he was taking maybe one or two a game, but not really. And then, last part, before I let you try to answer these questions for me, you've got Drew Holiday, who players poll from The Athletic, best defensive player in the in the league, okay? Yeah. Their opinion. You've got Giannis, who has won the award before, Depoy. You've got Brooke Lopez, who finished second for the award this year, all on the floor at the same time. And it looks like Jimmy's having, you know, playing against, I don't know, the Kings from three years ago because he gets to whatever spot he wants to and makes a shot. I don't understand it, but I was standing. I wasn't even sitting in my living room. I was so tired. I might've fallen asleep standing up just flummoxed. Like I wasn't even celebrating. I was like, I don't understand what I'm looking at. Yeah. I mean, his efficiency, it seems like historically it goes up 
in the playoffs, his aggressiveness goes up another notch and his ability to take over games and really leave his imprint um, is elevated. And I think Spo talked about it. You, you don't just impact the game the way he does on offense and defense by not knowing basketball. Like he truly knows the game. He understands how to make impact. You can see the communication. You can see the level of um, involvement between him and his teammates. There's a couple pet possessions I want to refer to in the, in the last game where Jimmy is basically orchestrating the offense. He's figuring out what matchups he likes best. You know, obviously Drew Holiday is the main defender on him. He's trying to figure out who he wants to get and start picking roles for the switch. It's obviously um, you want your best offensive player to go up against the other team's worst defensive player. So you're kind of trying to find that guy who you feel like you can take more advantage of. And then on the other end, after he scores, I see him tell Bam, I, I got Brooke Lopez because they kept putting Brooke in the in the pick and roll and short rolling him basically because the the, the weak side uh, was usually a guard. So he says, I got him. So they can just switch it. They switch the screen. They end up, I think Bam or somebody is on, on the guard. They switch the screen. So the five goes to Lopez. Jimmy goes to Giannis, guards him, gets to stop twice down the stretch. It was the little things that I noticed throughout the game that kind of showed you his true impact. And then the last thing you talked about, how he passes up layups. I seen a, a chart or a graphic that showed the calendar of the season and it showed how well Bam plays during the regular season and then how he kind of historically hasn't played as well in like, I don't know, say February, March, April. And yep. it showed how Jimmy has played historically in the beginning of the season, how I'm not going to say he hasn't played well, but he hasn't played to this level, the level of, I'm not going to say enthusiasm, but the urgency mm-hmm. for Jimmy historically. And you could say this because you see every game is different in the beginning of the season, as it is for most players, but there's a considerable difference in how Jimmy plays the first 35 games of the season compared to the last 35 games of the season. Yeah. And there's another level that I think he, he hits once the playoff starts. And I think it's a combination of the amount of minutes he plays, how he's utilized, but also his aggressive nature. He shoots more threes. I think he hit his record for threes in a season this year um, in the first quarter of a, a game the other night. This is the part that's that's crazy to me, too, because like you said, and I, I mentioned this, I think even on this pod, like at, as Jimmy takes over more, it doesn't lend itself to more team play, more ball movement. It's more just Jimmy taking over and therefore, bam, doesn't find his areas like he had before. And he even said it after I think it was the play in game. The first one, hey, you got to get me more involved somehow when Jimmy is in playoff Jimmy mode, it doesn't really lend itself to that which makes it even crazier that he can actually succeed with what he's doing. Cause it's not just putting up empty numbers. He's putting up these numbers and they're winning and they're winning against teams that they're not supposed to win against the Milwaukee bucks. And like, I know, so like you said earlier, this is a game that happened Monday and this is, you know, releasing on Thursday, but either this series is over and Jimmy has done it, has completed it or uh, they're going to a game six. So there's still something to talk about here. And what I want to ask you is if you could put on your coaching hat for a second and explain to me what you would do differently there when you've got Giannis. Everybody's saying Giannis should cover Jimmy first. Well, okay, you're going to just set a screen and get somebody else on him. Right. But what do you do there if you've got those three guys and then whoever else they throw out there, Grayson Allen and uh, whomever else? But how do you stop that team when you know it's just Jimmy and not much else? I mean, I think Jimmy played an incredible game. Let's start by that. But Milwaukee blew it. I think they went on a 13-14-0 run. No timeouts. In the fourth quarter, no timeouts. And not saying that Charles Barkley is always right, but Charles pointed out that they didn't call a timeout. 3-0, 6-0, a dunk, another dunk. Like, when when were you going to call the timeout to kind of stop the momentum? That's the first part. The second part is 
think about what had to go right for Miami to win that game. Like he had to score 56. They needed every basket. They probably needed 58, to be honest with you, because it was still close down the stretch um, when Lopez shot that three, which probably could have been a foul that, that he banked in. It was still a one or two possession game with the free throws that they kept making going back and forth. But I think if you're the Bucs, you look at this game and you say, look, we, we probably shouldn't have lost this game, but you tip, you tip your cap to them for the fact that they battled back. They're under they're undermanned, right? No Vic, no Tyler Hero. Um, Milwaukee got what they wanted. Lopez, 30, I think he had 30 plus points, 11 rebounds, dominated. Giannis has a triple double. And it takes a 56 point night from Jimmy and their next highest score, 15. Nobody else over 15. I think somebody had 12 and nine for them to win. But defensively, Miami really challenged them. And I think if you're the Bucs, you obviously send some doubles on occasion, but you live with the fact that you hope he can't get 50 again in well, Milwaukee. Well, some doubles on occasion. Like, he sent a couple of doubles, maybe. But really, I, I just think it's an over-reliance on Drew Holiday. Like, I know he's great, but we it's the NBA, man. Good offense is going to beat good defense pretty much every time. And so unless you mix that up and get him out of his comfort zone, and that's been that's been a knock on Bud since he's been there. I mean, if he didn't win that championship, they, he probably wouldn't be the coach right now because there was so many questions about how he was coaching that defense. And so you tell me, like, are you keeping Brooke in there for that drop and trusting everything that you've been doing all season long? Or are you trying to mix that up uh, because maybe the Heat's too comfortable in that? Because if you look at historically just guys that have great games against the Bucs, you know who's had – monster games against the bucks oddly caleb martin and like he had a i think he had a breakout game against the bucks i think the beginning of this year in miami and so it feels like bud is just kind of doing the same things and hoping that that talent just kind of rises him out of it yeah i think he's hoping that obviously drew holiday guards better but he's also hoping that he scores on offense i think he went two for 14 he didn't have a great offensive night which also hurt them and part of that is because he's chasing around jimmy yes. all night and fighting over screens and having to guard on the island a lot of times so i think it's a combination of things passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Bud obviously got the contract extension. They win the championship. But if you look at that series, you know, 
Kevin Kyrie goes out, Kevin Durant spins and shoots a three. That was a two. That was the series yeah. right there. And that was the difference between, like you said before, him probably having a job and not having a job. So I think he's going to be himself. He's consistently been like this. I don't think he's changing his mentality or his approach as a coach at this stage. I think they'll make some adjustments. I think they'll maybe they'll stay in a drop because that's what they do. That's how they play. And Jimmy's a mid-range guy anyway. Like he's Jimmy doesn't shoot threes unless he has to. He basically doesn't shoot threes until the playoff starts right. most of the unless year. Unless you should... just leave him open, he can take his set shot, not have to leave his feet and take that three. It's the only time he's going to take it. Right. He only takes them if he's wide open or in the playoffs. Right. I or think that, that, yeah, the crazy pullback sometimes. That was nasty. I think they move move Brooke up a little bit, but stay in a drop. I think they change some of the matchups as a primary defender. I think sometimes they'll probably have Chris Middleton on them. They'll sub Pat Connors will come in. They'll probably put Javon Carter on them a little bit. They'll play around, I'm imagining, with rotation and with matchups strategically, understanding that you're going to have to send doubles on occasion. And you may just have to live with Jimmy getting 40. If no one else is scoring over 15, you'd like to you'd like to think that you like your odds. Um, with a best of three series left, essentially, uh, one team having to win three, the other team <laughs> getting one, and yeah. it's over. Best of four, it, it could be, I guess. Um, figuring you... out. Go ahead. I was gonna say figuring out whether or not it's better to let Jimmy go off, or it's better to just say he's not scoring thirty tonight. We don't care if Caleb Martin goes off. I don't care if Kyle Lowry gets hot. Duncan, who's shooting 100% true, <laughs> true shooting. Like, you have to live with one or the other, but you can't take away both. If you were in the Milwaukee locker room, would you nudge Giannis and say, uh, Giannis, can you please guard Jimmy Butler? Or do you think that, you know, the defensive matchups or what he provides as an off-the-ball uh, defender is more valuable? His impact defensively is most felt when he's a help side defender. Like that's what he's best at roaming on the back line, being able to take away cross court skips, being able to close out X on the backside as a defender. And obviously that rim protection is, is extremely important. Giannis can move laterally, but he's not as great laterally. And I think from a, from a standpoint of foul trouble, like him guarding Jimmy, Jimmy's very aggressive. He pump fakes, he pivots in a lane, he draws contact, he seeks contact. That could be detrimental to their team early on in the game. Now late, if you want to go guard him, like fine. But like you said before, even when they played against Brooklyn, like KD wasn't being guarded by Giannis. They put Drew on him. Chris Middleton, like a bunch of different guys guarded him. Giannis is on the backside. Like he wasn't – He right. rarely does he go guard the guard or the forward unless it's a center. He's the back line guy, and they don't really change yeah. the defense. We talked about Bud. They don't really change their scheme. Their scheme is their scheme. They live and they die with it. And historically – during the regular season, they live well and they got a championship out of it in the playoffs. So I, I don't I don't see them changing that matchup because of the foul trouble and what comes with that. They said Giannis had to get on IVs after the game. So if if all that is happening with him guarding Bam and maybe Caleb Martin, I seen Caleb Martin was switching him on a three-pointer. Imagine if he guards Jimmy for an entire game. Like you're gonna need two IVs, both arms. <laughs> In that case, Jimmy's probably calling for it. All right. So by the time this airs, uh, Miami will either have been what the third eight seed to advance over a one seed, or the the series will still be going on. But let's just say if they happen to have done it. So either congratulations, Heat, or hey, you're about to win it. Um, what does it mean for for Jimmy, for the Heat, for who have beat a number one seed or is it all kind of like lessened a little bit diluted a little bit because of Giannis missing the first three games of the series 
I mean, it's still very hard to beat that team. That team throughout the season with Giannis playing, without Giannis playing, was still very good. I watched them beat the brakes off of very good teams without Giannis. Um, that's a deep team. They execute. They defend well. They have a lot of good players who know how to play the game the right way. Ingles, uh, Joe Ingles was a great addition for them. Um, they they figure out ways to win. So you're not going to discredit them for the fact that Giannis got hurt game one, missed all of game two and all of game three. Game two, they ended up winning without him. That shows you how good they are. Um, but I think you look at it as Jimmy is really good. Um, Spo probably doesn't get enough credit for what he's been able to accomplish historically with his execution and coaching down the stretch. The fact that they have seven undrafted players, um, one of which is a starter, right? I think Vincent was undrafted. Yeah, he but it's too many. It's too many undrafted players, but that's another Drew's, conversation for another day. Drew starts. Like, they got undrafted guys that are starting and contributing. I think it's a sign of Miami Heat culture. Like, obviously, the series is different if Giannis doesn't get hurt. Like, we can all say that. But injuries are a part of the game. And I think Kyrie tweeted it the other day about the importance of looking at everything um whole like Kyrie gets hurt against the Bucks and that series is different yeah. but it happens yeah I think uh, all of Kyrie's Kyrie's tweets are some version of look at everything from a whole perspective <laughs> um I would say that it's it's sort of yeah it would be very much sort of a credit to the heat and the culture and all that stuff but I think it just it just keeps moving the the bar up or, or the needle up for Jimmy. Like his Q rating, everything just kind of gets bigger, higher and higher. And like next year, you know, not that this really matters, right? But next year, when that best player in the league, you know, top one hundred players in the like, he's gonna move up the list because of what he does in the playoffs. And it's just gonna be one of those deals where his whether they win a championship or not, the mythology or the realistic <laughs> true story of Jimmy Butler is just going to be one of the best because I can't think of a singular player who has gone from good in the regular season consistently to arguably best in the postseason. Like, and he's done that two or three years. And it's it's crazy. I can't think of anybody that in the history of the league that's ever done that. Even Charles Barkley. The first name that came to me was Charles Barkley when he was in Phoenix, but he won an MVP that season. So even though he was dropping, you know, 50-some in the playoffs, it was still what right. you expected. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen it. And I think that's a testament to him being a gamer, honestly. Like, truly being a gamer, being a guy who adjusts, who works throughout the season, does what he's supposed to do to get in the playoffs, right? Does enough, picks his spots, picks his games, where he turns turns the switch on. And then when he gets into the playoffs, the switch is on the entire time. Um, yeah. And he's... This is like Bubby bubbles, Bubby bubble, Jimmy Butler. Like this is when, you know, he's in the finals, he's carrying the squad, 40 point, triple double. He's a pull up three away. Like people yeah. forget, like yeah. it's a pull up three away from some different conversations about Jimmy Butler and, and his impact on the game. For real. I mean, yeah, it's uh it's crazy what he's done. And I think uh, everybody down here, every time he does it, shocking like even though you've seen it before you don't expect it the next time because it's always it's always surprising but uh i know we said we were going to do the western conference uh one series that are already done but let's move let's keep that for the end keep the fresh stuff for the end because i want to go to this uh there's a couple of injuries that have sort of come into play and that warriors king series it's wildly fascinating still De'Aaron fox not doubtful today um tonight i'm just wondering on that series like 
if you're a Warriors player, do you say to yourself, we saved Draymond's ass? Or do you say to yourself, hey, Draymond's stuff still works? Because it feels to me like when they were sitting there watching him go off in, in Sacramento and they're sitting there in the huddle and Steve Kerr is just like waiting it for it to get done, all the histrionics, it felt like they were just tired of it. And I've seen, you've seen that from before. It felt like they were just over it, letting Draymond do his thing. And I didn't know if it was going to be something that they, hey, I got your back. And I don't, I don't even know if it was that. It was more so just like Steph saying, hey, I still have life left in me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want this... Uh, this run to end just because, you know, he had a little unfortunate call over there in Sacramento. And uh, I, I think him coming off the bench, as much as it was a Draymond call, according to him, I, I think it was absolutely necessary of them just sort of saying, look, you went over the top with all the histrionics afterward. Um, we're going to fix this and we're not really going to credit you for it. I think it was a combination of things. I definitely think that the antics uh, have affected that team. Um, historically, and I think it's it's gotten to the point where they're all, you know, mid thirties now. Like being honest, 33, 34, 35. And they're like, look, man, like we know we're we're in a position where we need you, we want you, but like, stop, <laughs> stop. Like, be competitive, get your technical, and move on. Like, we need you out here. And they've had this happen before in the past. And you know, luckily. Right. Luckily, Steph goes bunkers. Luckily, the team responds and they rally. And I would say that they get along. So they definitely rallied around him. But I think part of it was, as Steph said before, you go down 3-0. It's, it's all she wrote. It's all she wrote. You go down 3-0. Yeah. And, and, and Dre knows this. You can't put yourself in that position to not have control over your own fate. Like understanding the history or whatever, whether he should have been suspended or not. You can't put yourself in that position because you're too valuable for your team. And I think that was the lesson that I think he learned watching, like having no control, having to sit and watch, similar to 2000, uh, was it 16? Having to mm -hmm. sit and watch and hope that you don't go down 3-0, understanding the, the severity of you not being out there, and then for them to win without you and Loon play so well. It was like, okay, like, Put my pride to the side. Like, I don't want to mess this up. We lose two games with me playing, although I didn't play the last seven minutes. Let me, you know, show them that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win. Deflect whatever. Mm -hmm. my, put my ego to the side. Come off the bench. And then Kerr's like, look, <laughs> thanks, Draymond, for doing that. Like, I appreciate it. Like, that's great. Now you, you're asked to start the second half. <laughs> right. Like, right. we need to make sure we win this game. Like, right. All that was great. Loon's doing well. You know, we, we're getting we're getting touches for pool, but like, okay, we need defense. Do you um, you know, having played with the uh what was the thumb? Is it thumb tendon? <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> when was the surgery? Yeah, yesterday. Um you played yeah, through I, how much how much of the season with that? 37 games. Not that almost, it's the same finger as half. the Aaron Fox, but talk to me about playing with a messed up digit. Yeah, it's very difficult, especially when it's the shooting hand. And I think for me, it's a thumb, right? So the thumb controls a lot of your game, movement patterns, catching, shooting, dribbling. The finger is different because the ball has to roll off that finger. And I think it's his index. You'll have the cushion, you'll have the the tape and the split on, but you you have to adjust how you shoot. Your brain has to adjust catching passes, how hard you dribble the ball when it bounces up, like the stuff that you take for granted each day is what kind of comes back to bite you when you have an injury because you're going to forget and then someone's going to hit you in your hand. It's going to sting really bad. <laughs> really, And they know that he's hurt 
and they know the severity of the injury, he's going to go for a layup and they're going to high five him. He's going to shoot jumpers and they're going to high five him. If he, if he takes that ball into a crowd, I guarantee you they're all smacking down. Like, and you're going to be thinking about that as you drive, as you dribble, as you shoot, as you catch. And it's going to be in your head. If he makes shots or misses shots, he's going to be thinking, I got to get closer. And I think that's what happened for me. It was like, you can get all the reps you want. You basically shoot enough in practice to feel okay with the splint that you're, that you have on, but you don't want to get too many reps because it hurts. <laughs> so then you, right. you change your preparation. And I think for him, he's a competitor. So he's, he's going to fight through it and not make excuses, but this absolutely affects him a hundred percent. The way he plays his touch, he's, you know, top five in the NBA in that, you know, four to eight feet. Like he loves that short mid range jumper. And that touch shot is what's hard when you don't have control of your fingertips. Hmm. And you know, at least one or two of the bigs or anybody in the front court are probably going to take a cheap foul or two right on the hand just to kind of see what that feels like to them, right? A thousand percent. Yeah. And that's a part of the game. You you either hurt or you're injured. And you make a decision. When you declare your plan, you're playing. And that's the way it goes. And the other team knows. And the other team is going to do whatever they can to win. Any means necessary. We might find this out tonight before uh, anybody can listen to this, but what do you do if you're Sacramento and especially down the stretch when it's always De'Aaron Fox time, like where does that shift change? Do you go Malik Monk? Do you just go through Sabonis? Um, what have you seen from them that allows it's, you to think that they can have a backup plan? It's clutch player of the year for a reason. You can still go to him. You see how he's feeling, how he's moving throughout the game. He's still fast. He's still unguardable. He's going to get the space he wants. And now it's just about, whether or not they double, and Draymond has said before, that's the clutch player of the year. I'm not letting him play isolation on anyone. So he's going to draw doubles, and I think now it's just about having whoever you want in position to shoot off the double, whether that's Monk, whether that's Murray, whether that's HB again, Herter, figuring out who's the next pass because the double is going to come whether his finger is hurt or not. The other team is not just going to say, yeah, we'll live and die with, with Fox. No, because teams have been dying all year with Fox yeah. in isolation and Fox down the stretch of games. So... I think you still put the ball in his hands and you make sure whoever is that, that other option that you would like to see having the ball, whether that's Monk, Herter, HB, Murray shot the ball extremely well last game. You do that and he makes the decision. Similar to Trey Young, you make the decision. You put the ball in your best player's hands, your best playmaker's hands, and he makes the decision whether or not he should shoot or pass and you go home saying, we did what we were supposed to do. We just lost. I was going to bring up Trey Young next too because he didn't have that teammate that you could – uh you know, share those responsibilities with in Boston for game five. Um, and Trey won it with that ice cold three at the end there with uh, just under two seconds left. And so a couple things are pretty fascinating about that team. I'll get to Celtics in a second, but I was, I was very much a proponent of the heat trading for John Collins and he has had some, some stinkers, man. He has been somewhere else, but he had a big, a big game stepped up uh, in game five um, but mostly what's fascinating to me is that team's offense where it's just when DeJounte's in there, like, I'm telling you, man, I'm not saying I can guard him, but I would have a hell of a game plan for him because he just wants to get to those two spots right below on either side of the free throw line and rise up. And I'm like, all right, I know what you're going to do. And then Trey has been a little bit more assertive, aggressive, not so much with the three point line, uh, but getting to spots on the floor and not necessarily taking the shot and you know, that little floater as much and, and kicking it out. And and it feels like they're just trusting in Quinn Snyder, almost like the same way they did in Nate when he was the interim coach and took them to the, the conference finals. 
but they're playing a different game, aren't they? They're, they're not that same team that they have been the season before Quinn Snyder got there. Yeah, they're definitely playing a different game in terms of space and pace. They're pushing the ball a lot more advanced passes. I think Quinn talked about advanced passes and um, making sure more than one person is involved is important for that team. Like making sure Sadiq Bay is getting touches, Collins feels involved, knocking down shots, spreading the floor, rolling, making sure that Bogdanovich is, is a part of the offense and the flow. Like that's a guy who's very efficient when he wants to be. He can play pick and roll. He can handle the ball some. He can catch and shoot, obviously, at a high clip. And if you look at their backup big, um, I like the way he's played. I like Capella. And I think when they all feel more involved in the game, their defense is better, their engagement is better, their ability to execute down the stretch is better. And then in the type of series that they're facing, you keep the game close and you let your stars be stars and hope that their star is going to take you over. And that's what Quinn did down the stretch. He said, go make a play. Try to get to the rim if you can't. Make a pass. If they give you space, raise and shoot. And he shot the ball 33 times. He hit 14 of them, had, thir- had 38, 13, and got up and got up 13 three-pointers as well. So I think you have to live and die by your best players. And I think that's what it's coming down to in the playoffs. And some teams are living and others are dying. Yeah. And I, I actually think, you know, this isn't an easy series for the for, for the Celtics. Um, you know, the rebounding. Uh, the Hawks were so dominant rebounding in game three that they needed to change up their rotation. They needed to start playing Horford and Williams together again, and they hadn't been doing that uh, all season long. And then, you know, Capella in this one was not dominant. In fact, they were still out-rebounded by the Celtics, and then the Hawks win in Boston because they were shooting the lights out, hit uh, 19-3. So if I'm Boston, I'm like, well, wait a second now. Like we are the the team most motivated to make this finals run because we lost in the finals last year. We went up 2-0. We learned our lessons from game three and adjusted them in game four and won in that game on the road pretty pretty easily, I would say. Um, what the hell? I, I guess this is my question. Like, how do you let that happen again? And is that sort of a red flag for the Celtics, who again, first round, but they let their foot off the gas. That's all they talked about with us, with me anyway, is, oh, we can't let our foot off the gas. We can't like take breaks. They talked about that Milwaukee series last year, the first game where they just kind of lost. They weren't used to it. And there was two other instances in that series where they felt like they should have won. Instead, they had to win it in seven. And here they are in the first round, missing out on a couple of opportunities, especially with DeJounte Murray out. Like, how do you explain that? Is that as big a red flag to you as it seems to me? I don't think it's a red flag, but I think it's something that you have to take and put in the back of your pocket. Like, this is happening again. They talked about the importance of executing, come out with a sense of urgency. And I think they started this series sending a clear message. Like we're not messing around. First mm-hmm. game, they went by like 30 something, like a clear message. Like let's try to get through these series as fast as possible. So no one gets hurt. So we're fresh. And they had a chance to gentlemen sweep this team. They had a chance to close it out at home, up double digits, and they didn't. So they let, they let go of the rope a little bit. They kind of let go. They felt like the series was over. The game was over. No Murray. This was, this had let down written all over. This is probably a coach's nightmare, a trap game, if you will, where the second best player on the team doesn't play, he's suspended, and you're supposed to win and you're at home. So it's like a almost like a trap game, but you hope that you overcome that and win, and they didn't. So now I think this is the team that's better, obviously. Now they put themselves in a tough spot where they have to go to Atlanta. Murray's coming back, going to be excited. The, the arena had to cancel the Janet Jackson concert. Like a lot, <laughs> a lot is going on right now to where they could very well end up in a, in a game seven, but I think this is nothing to, to panic about. Boston is the better team. They got more depth. 
I think their stars are better than Atlanta stars, bigger at least to kind of create shots and then create double teams. And I think at the very least, um, they're getting out of this series. It's just a matter of when. But like you said before, they got some things they need to figure out because these other teams in the Eastern Conference, i.e., whether it's Milwaukee or Miami, whether it's the Sixers or not, are big. They're going to rebound. They're going to shoot threes. And if you let them win on your home floor, you're not winning this series for all of yeah. those teams I just named. I will say, though, they did uh, Jackson Janet Jackson fans a favor because it moved the concert from a Thursday night to a Friday night. And come on, Friday night's yeah. so much better night for a concert. Last concert I went to was on a Thursday night. Got home at four in the morning, ruined my Friday. It's terrible, terrible. Concert should always be on Fridays. Uh, yeah, I, I would. <laughs> I'm I'm not uh, thinking the Hawks can win this series, um, but if this goes seven, uh, the Celtics are just gonna are gonna feel nervous in that in that building, given that they just lost to the Hawks in that building, given that they'd lost a game six in that building last year to Jimmy Butler, and they lost a game four in that building last year to Steph Curry. Um, I, I just, you know, I see a game where they hit. A good, they hit fifty three percent of their shots. The only person who was essentially off was Jason Tatum. I mean, maybe Al Horford if you count one for five. But you know, if you can't let Jason Tatum have an off night against the Hawks when their what second or third best player isn't available, again, doesn't look good. <laughs> doesn't look good. But this is also the franchise that went seven against the Hawks when they won it all in 08. and so you can't really judge everything by the first round. Yeah, every series is different, and I think. Considering the circumstances, Boston's in a much better spot than the Milwaukee Bucks right now. And I think they oh, yeah. they can live with the fact that they let one slip and now they got a chance to get this done in six. But they need to get this done immediately because they need to rest up. They need to have healthy bodies and understand what's at stake in the next round. Yep. Uh, speaking of the next round, um, we got a matchup already. We got the Suns and the Nuggets. Um, the the Suns series, the Clippers series, man. The Kawhi Leonard stuff is just so interesting. It's well, it's not only so. The first thing I said, I, I read Tyron Lue's quotes the other day, basically defending Kawhi, saying, you know, it's crazy that people would think that he doesn't want to play or he should be criticized for an injury. And I thought it was kind of a straw man because I was like, wait, who is criticizing Kawhi? I think if he's, I mean, the man went to Toronto and won a championship. Like, if you don't care about basketball, you're not going to Canada to win a championship. And so, um, it feels like it felt like a straw man, but then I started realizing that, oh, um, you know, his, his sister was just uh, sentenced to life in prison over a, a, a murder. And it's just like, wow, there's a, there's a lot of things going on that could be going on in Kauai that you just don't know about because he doesn't share these things. He does. You also can't tell how much pain he's in if he is in pain because he just goes out and performs. He doesn't emote. He doesn't even show anything on his face. And so um, the idea that you've got, you know, Tyron Lue, who I respect uh, immensely, uh, defending him and saying, like, I don't think Ty would even coach that team if he thought that their superstar didn't want to play basketball. You know what I mean? All that stuff right. doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know how you sort of consumed all of that. Yeah, I think he was more so talking about the naysayers who historically have talked about how, you know, since they low manage him throughout the season, that does he really like basketball because Kawhi doesn't really speak. He doesn't really talk. He doesn't really show emotion. But when he does play and he's healthy, He's arguably the best player in the NBA. And that's what he was playing like. I feel I feel like he was playing so well that with just him, they had a chance to beat the Suns in that series. That's sure. how good he is. And that's how good he was playing. I think the casual fan watches and they see him miss most of the season because they're low managing him. And then he gets hurt anyway. And they're like, 
well, they just sat him out all year and then he ends up getting hurt. And it's like, this isn't the type of injury that is wear and tear. Like sometimes the meniscus happens, like, like all the deep hardest patella tendon, like sometimes an injury happens and there's nothing you can do about it, but it's frustrating for the fan base. It's frustrating for the organization. It's frustrating for everybody involved when you try to make sure that doesn't happen. And it does two years in a row and you have a championship window and you have an opportunity to be really good. And, and it's not able to, to be relished. I think it's just fr- it's frustrating and it's unfortunate, but Kawhi loves basketball. You can tell by how good he is at the sport and how his game has evolved. You don't just get better by doing nothing the way he's gotten better from day one at San Antonio to now, like footwork, the pivoting, the handle, the three pointer, the catch and shoot off the dribble. Like he's gotten better at every facet of basketball while battling major injuries, which means right. there's a real dedication that goes and on for behind what? the scenes. Because he doesn't love the spotlight. He's not doing it for adoration. What other no. reason would he be doing it? Because he effing loves it. He he just goes and competes. And you can tell, like, he gets a steal. He steals the ball from Katie, goes out and dunks it. His face doesn't change the entire time. The only time you see him smiling is, like, when he makes a joke. And those pictures they have in the All-Star game of him dunking in the All-Star game versus when he was in the San Antonio jersey, the side-by-sides. Yeah. And he smiles a lot off the court because he's actually completely different than the image he portrays to the public. But My favorite Kawhi image is when his own player on the Clippers committed an offensive foul. And he, he just goes. pointed the other way too. It's just like, well, keeping it real. What are you going to do? <laughs> Can't get mad. <laughs> yeah. I just think it's, it's tough because as a basketball fan and as a guy who plays and as a person who watches in that now I'm in non-biased mode, right? Cause I'm just mm-hmm. watching. You just want to see competitive games and you want to see the best players play. And I think it's frustrating because you got. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Kawhi hurt. PG hurt. John Morant hurt. Steven Adams is hurt. I keep going. Like, you go down the rest of their roster and you go to the next team, and it's just like we have all these injuries that are affecting the level of play. Giannis gets hurt in game one. Tyler Hero gets hurt. Oladipo gets hurt. And it's just frustrating yeah, because Fox. Fox is hurt. You want to see everybody play at full strength, but that's impossible. Like it, there's never a finals run or a playoff run where every team is at full strength. You look at the Cavs, you look at the Warriors, you look at how these teams have won championships, the Boston Celtics, the old Lakers, like somebody gets hurt every year during a pivotal moment in the playoffs. It feels like, and it's a part of the game. And that's a part of having depth. That's a part of being able to adjust on the fly. And that's also a part of the luck associated with basketball is things have to kind of align. And 
there's an injury that's going to occur every year. Sacramento was very healthy during the season. Obviously, Sabonis has been playing hurt with something that he probably has to get fixed in the summer. But outside of that, they were one of the most healthy teams in the NBA this entire regular season, top three. And now they're arguably their best player. Yeah, It's a fractured finger at the worst time. Um, well, the Suns seem pretty healthy right now, aren't they? Yeah, very healthy. Um, that's one of the things that obviously help when you put together or when you add a big piece like that late in the season and, and lose a couple others. But um, the one thing that I would say that would, you know, I was I would, would have said before that would ensure that this would work is to make sure Devin Booker just goes off. You know, the same way that, um, you know, that LeBron-Wade duo, when they had sort of duplicating skills, kind of, you know, mid-range uh, Dur- Durant and, and D-Book are similar. Um, just do what you know, and we'll worry about the chemistry later. And Devin Booker is not only doing what he knows, but already taking advantage of all that attention that KD's getting. And yeah. it's just loving life. Like 47 in the clincher, they score 136 to beat the Clippers. I just don't see a situation where if he's already finding his space and finding his spots uh, with the defense, you know, focused on KD, then good luck. He's a monster, man. You talk about injuries. The Suns were very banged up this season, early on in the season. Book misses 20-plus games. He hurt his hamstring, came back against us, gave us 59, and then was out for, like, three weeks. CP was hurt. Like, they were struggling. They were very injured. They had a lot of nationally televised games where um, this is pre-Mikael Bridges trade. Right. Cam Johnson was hurt. He got surgery, like, the beginning of the season. They were very banged up. They were at jeopardy of not making the playoffs. Then guys started coming back. Then they make the trade. So it's almost like the best thing that happened to them was that they got their injuries out of the way. They had them early to where Book was able to recover. And now he's healthy. And now he's coming in like peak form where he's in his best conditioning. His body isn't worn out from the season because he missed so many games and rehabbed and came back. KD comes back, gets hurt at the perfect time because he's able to still rehab and come back before the regular season. And so it's almost like they face the injuries. They just face them early enough to recover from them. And for people to not even remember, like Book wasn't an all-star because he missed so many games. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a fun conversation um, for Adam Silver to hear, right? All these conversations about, hey, if they would have just spent some time in the regular season not playing, they'd be a lot better now. Like Kawhi Leonard, Devin Booker got his injuries out of the way early, all that type of stuff. It's just like, it's just becoming so much more obvious that the idea that everybody wants of guys playing 80 games and toughing it through four rounds of the playoffs is just going to be less and less likely as you go along. Depending on the player. For you, obviously, to talk about. Depending on the player and the team, for sure. But, I mean, the, the reality is Harrison Barnes played all 82 games, 82, right? And he's in his... 11th 12th year everybody's different the role you play is different and the amount of minutes you play is different and you basically you want to have a good regular season you want to play a lot of games but you can't play 45 minutes in a regular season every night book kd cp go through the box score jimmy butler they're playing 44 minutes because they know it's do or die and the way the nba is setting up these schedules every other day and then you get two days in between and then Let's say you got a competitive series. You're getting space in between because the the series that have already ended, they can't end too fast, right? right. Like if, if another series goes seven, they have to spread out the Suns 
and the Denver Nuggets series because they have to kind of end close together. So you understand you're going to get time in between games as the series progresses. So I think there's a there's a, a lot that goes into this. Obviously, players have to take better care of themselves. Staff have to be smarter about their strategies. And you have to hope for the best because injuries are a lot of luck. Like you're gonna get you're gonna get something that's gonna happen. It's about the severity of the injury and how fast you're able to recover within reason. Because something's going to happen every year. Like Kobe's fingers, may he rest in peace. Jordan, like everybody has been hurt. The greatest players in the world have been hurt. It's a matter of how to manage the injury and the recovery process from it. When do you come back? Like PG was progressing to come back. Basically Mm -hmm. needed another week. He was getting closer, but he wasn't ready yet. Right. Uh, To your point on the Suns, when they were sort of injured at the right time, they had a game in Cleveland uh, middle of the season where their starting lineup was, you know, they had Bridges and Aiton, and then they had Landry Shamit, Tory Craig, and Dario Saric. And their leading scorer came off the bench was Dwayne Washington Jr. And so that was the low point for the Suns. It seems like they're riding high right now. But you got their matchup with the uh, the Denver Nuggets uh, in the second round starting. What do you think the Nuggets have it's crazy to ask this question this way, but what do you think the Nuggets have to do? Because it, it you know, to win? it's not about the it's, yeah, because it's not about the uh, what's we call it, it's not about the seedings, like this is not a typical 1v4. They got to do a lot to win. <laughs> I'm just being honest, that's a very good team. The altitude is great, they're good at home. They're going to run so many pick and rolls. The Suns are going to have Joker in pick and roll after pick and roll after pick and roll. And Joker is going to f- have his fun figuring out what matchup he likes, and he's going to put them in pick and roll. And Jamal Murray is going to put CP in pick and roll and book. And it's just going to be a battle of matchups. Who can find the weakest link consistently throughout the game? What role player steps up? Craig was great um, in that series. He had a lot of open threes, made a lot of the right plays. Um, Kogi. Like those guys are going to have to play well. Monty's going to have to figure out rotation wise who he's playing. How much? How much is he playing Damian Lee? Does he ride K, book CP for forty plus again? He's probably going to have to in altitude, and that's the importance of getting rid of teams fast is the recovery. Like you can have the off days in between series. You can have the re- recovery day where you just work out for twenty five minutes and get treatment because on game day. Besides that two-hour nap, you got shoot around, you got film, and you got 44 high-intensity minutes where you physically are using everything you have and mentally trying to lock in and focus. But I say all this to say that it's going to be very hard for the Suns to lose this series in my eyes because of the chemistry that they're developing, but also how potent they are offensively. Like, this is a series where Book just basically averaged 40. Like, yeah, 37. I, I, You know, I look at that. Nuggets lineup and you know Michael Porter Jr. is not exactly a defensive you know it's not exactly a great defensive player just put it that way um you know Caldwell Pope can hold his own not as big as KD he's going to have some problems there obviously Jamal Murray a smaller guy too and you know Nicole Jokic like you said he's going to be running so many pick and rolls like I I look at the other side and think you know who exactly is Jokic going to pick on obviously Aiton is one of the better centers in the league KD it's the legit, you know, I doesn't want to tell people in the club it's or a seven footer, uh, you know, and I think that he's going to have a little bit more problems unless he sort of opens up with some of that more willing outside shooting um, and then play sort of the cat, you know, driving game. But I just don't know if he's going to be able to give you the 43 point triple double in this series in any given game. And if that's not the case, like 
they just won a game, sure, but they shot 40%. And I don't know if the rest of that team is ready to to carry him if if he can't put up those numbers. I don't think Joker's going to be the issue. Having played against him, he's a monster. He's going to figure out how to get damn near a 30-point triple-double. He's that good. doesn't matter who you put on. KD's too light to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, Aiden is foul prone. And although he is a good defender, he ain't got the answers for Joker. So Joker's going to get his, and he's going to get his assists. It's a matter of figuring out exactly what they're going to get from Porter, what they're going to get from Christian Braun, what they're going to get from uh, my main man who played with KD out of Miami, um, who played a little bit of like center for Brooklyn. And then he goes to Denver and he moves over to backup point guard. I think looking at all those things is going to be extremely important for their team. But I, I think that the offensive firepower that the Suns have is just so much. And we've been talking a lot about Book and how great Book has been. Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown. Yeah. Sorry, That's what I was talking about, by the way. Backup point guard now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Played center. He was playing center for Brooklyn. He was. He's a, sh- a short roll guy. But I say all this to say that Book was great. He's an elite player. He's playing like a top five player in the league. And they they have KD. Like, they still got KD. Like, they still got a guy that can finish the game if they need him to finish the game. They haven't had needed him to finish the game yet. Like, that's the that's the tough part. Yeah. Single side tag roller with him in the corner is like, how do you guard it? It's almost too easy. It's unfair, especially when when books on like this. But should be a fun series. I don't. I I, I would say this is going to be one of those where all seventeen of the ESPN experts pick uh, the Suns, and that's going to have uh, Denver with a little something. A little something to be angry about. And they should be because they are the number one. See, they deserve respect. They deserve the benefit of the doubt. And no one's going to give it to them besides their fans. All right. Well, we were going to talk a little bit about Houston, but we got all offseason or all the rest of the postseason to talk about coaching changes and stuff. So whew, I think I'm good. I think I need a cigarette. That's a lot of playoff talk. A lot of playoff <laughs> talk. The last thing I'll ask you is, since we both feel like Phoenix is probably going to win this series, Phoenix mm-hmm. in how many games? Um, let's see. I'm going to go Phoenix closing it out in six. Also, I never smoked a cigarette in my life. Just so you yeah, know. me neither. Um, six is safe. Yeah. Denver. I think Denver wins game one and game three. Hmm. I'm going to go with Denver win game one and four since we're getting specific on, on which game. <laughs> Denver win game one and four, and then Phoenix wins five and six to end it. We, we both could be wrong, and Denver fans will be in our mention soon. So I look forward to seeing what happens, great. but it'll be a great series to watch. Hopefully everybody can stay healthy. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong because before the series, before the uh, playoff started, I said something's going to happen to the Suns. I don't know what, but something bad. So, you know, either way, I'm right. Whatever. <laughs> for sure